Reading now from the Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of stumbling blocks. Occasions for stumbling are bound to come. But woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the hell of fire. Take care that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you in heaven their angels continually see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them is gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than the ninety-nine that never went astray. So it is of the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should not be lost. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have gained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one as you be be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, that's a little bit to think about. One or two points of emphasis. I wonder what the point of emphasis is for you. Is it the one you need? Is it the one you want? Maybe they're the same. Is Jesus' emphasis 
on the judgment that comes to the one who puts a stumbling block before another, before a child. Those for whom it would be better to have a millstone necklace at the bottom of the sea. Or is Jesus setting up the remarkable nature of forgiveness? That seven times isn't enough. That it's more like 77 times. Yes. Yes, Jesus is giving us a stern warning. Better to cut off your hand or pluck out your eye than to live this life without regard for God or others. And yes, we will stumble. Thank God for immeasurable forgiveness. Yes, it is the will of God that children be welcomed and that not one of His sheep be lost. And yes, the unrepentant are to be treated like Gentiles and tax collectors. Who, by the way, fared pretty well with Jesus. He sought out the Gentiles and the tax collectors. He befriended them. He welcomed them. He brought out the best of them. He made them church. Church. It's a word we use in several different ways. We talk about a building. We talk about a location. We talk about a denomination. We talk about a congregation as church. Jesus used the word one way, ecclesia, congregation, assembly, you. He talked about being church, not going to church. Convincing people to go to church wouldn't make sense to Jesus. People are the church, just as in his day the people were the synagogue. For Jesus, when it was worship day, the synagogue gathered and people worshipped as God deserved. Today, the synagogue gathers, the congregation gathers, the church gathers and worships as God deserves. It's part of what it means to be church. We gather to worship. We gather to worship because God deserves it. We gather to worship because we need it. We need to assemble. We need to see each other. We need to hear each other. We need to pray and sing and listen to the Word of God with each other. We need to do that because God deserves it. We need to do that in here, in worship, because doing so honors God and forms us in the faith. And we need to assemble, to see each other, to listen to each other, to pray, to discuss the Scriptures out of here, because doing so honors God and forms us in the faith. In here, out there, this is what the church does, this is what the church is. The church is a body of believers who are living out their faith together. And it may well start in here. But it can't just be in here. The things that happen in Sunday school and and small groups and Bible studies, it just can't happen in a setting like this. 
Over the course of the last year, I was part of four different gatherings of, of people, small group studies. We all studied the same group, same topic. It's called a disciple's path. And when we get together, one of the sessions asks us to tell each other our faith story. In every session, there were people who had worshipped near each other, who had had served alongside each other, who knew each other's names real well, but had never heard the other's faith story. And when they did, they became church in a way that they could not become in a setting like this. It was church more like what Jesus had in mind, more than a name on a membership role at some particular building. We send these people off to do mission work, whether in Florence on a regular day or or across the state or in Kentucky or Costa Rica. They go on these trips and they, they leave as part of the same church and then they get there and they share life together and they become church by serving Jesus in those settings. They learn each other's stories and they start to care about each other in deeper ways. And the next time they come together in worship, they are church in a way that they were not before. The church in the way that, that, that Sunday school classes become church with each other. These classes are together for 30, 40, 50 years and when someone has need or when someone dies, they come together and support each other in, in meaningful, meaningful ways. It's, it's beautiful. It's church. It's church the way I am with a, a small group of friends who can call me or, or sit me down and say, Will, I have this concern that I've noticed. And it's bothering me because I care about you. And I don't want you to stumble. We need to talk. It's church in a Matthew 18 kind of way. Church in a, it's God's will not to lose one of his sheep kind of way. Every once in a while, someone will stumble across Matthew 18 and they're glad to have found what they were looking for, glad to have found the way to get somebody right. And they want to come to me and strategize about how to perform Matthew 18. He's bothered by this sin. He's noticed in somebody else's life. He's found Matthew 18. Now's the time to do it. And he knows that earlier in, in Matthew, Jesus said he was supposed to take care of the plank in his own eye before he worried about the speck in somebody else's eye. and He's still working on the plank in his own eye, but he's ready to deal with the speck in somebody else's eye. And he's got this new threefold formula that he can use, the one Jesus advocated, he can get this sinner right. How well do you know this person? I always ask. Are you close? Do you really care about each other? What have you been through together? What I'm asking is, are you church? Too often people turn to this teaching in Matthew 18, Jesus' way of disciplining one who is in need of it. And and they hear in that three quick steps to get rid of somebody... It's not what Jesus was up to. It's not 
God's will that any of his sheep be lost. Oh, he argues, you've misunderstood me. I don't want to lose her. I want to fix her. Jesus style. Didn't you say, didn't he say we should take the whole church? Let's get all 2,000 together and have an intervention. You know, it's good to do Bible study. It's good to get together and think these things through. We make new discoveries every time. I was with the men's study Tuesday morning, the 2717 men's study, and, and they revealed to me something I had never noticed before. We were, we were sitting in there talking about Acts 1, and right there at the beginning, Luke describes the church at the time of Jesus' ascension. He says, at the time of Jesus' ascension, the church, the church was about 120 people. The whole kit and caboodle. About 120 people. We have a Sunday school class larger than that. When Jesus was talking about the church, he wasn't talking about 2,000 people bringing the threat of excommunication against the sinner. He was talking about people who knew the person in question well, who loved the person in question well, who would not think of her as the sinner, who would think of her by her name and by her story, by what they loved about her. He was talking about people who had told their faith story to another and who had heard the faith story from her. He was talking about people who had walked through the good and the bad and the ugly of life together with their sister and their brother in Christ and had wanted nothing more than to bring that sheep back into the fold. He was talking about people who were church together. Jesus was not sanctifying a way to cut somebody loose. He was showing us a compassionate way to be the church when one of the church had failed to follow faithfully. In our lives, in your life, in my life, there is a very small group of people who can be church in a way to discipline us as Jesus advocates here. A very small group of people who can come alongside us and say, I care about you, you know that. I love you, you know that. I have this concern about this stumbling block and we need to talk. They have to love you. And you have to love them before this process can work. But it is a necessary process. Because being the church is not a game. You're not on a team for a season. This is not a civic club. You have not joined something in order to do something. Church is an identity. You have joined with others to be a follower of one. And how you follow matters. Better to cut off your hand or pluck out your eye or put that millstone around your neck 
and to turn away from the ways of God or cause another to do so. Better that. But best, I think Jesus is saying, to be humble enough, humble like a child, humble enough to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like Him. Best to to think of the Father as a shepherd who would go to the ends of the earth to find that lost sheep and pray, Father, I want to love like You, to care for others in that kind of way. Best to know the forgiveness of God in our life. And then to pray, Holy Spirit, teach me to forgive as you have forgiven me. To be the church is to seek to live together, together, together as disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples study his ways. They follow them, and we pray they become the faithful shepherds who can lead others in studying his ways and following them. And so you and I, we're we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and it's not this building. It's the church, the body of Christ. We need each other to be faithful. We need... A small group that can come alongside us and say, I have this concern. We need, we need a small group to be very faithful. And we need God. And each other. To forgive. We need the church. And we need to be the church. May God make it so.